Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. It's just a blessing to be in the house of the Lord and to be able to worship. Amen? And hopefully that's, I know that's communicated right through the airwaves as well. I'm really excited about sharing this message with you today because for, for some of you who are Bible scholars, there are going to be some insights that may help you understand better a portion of Scripture you've read perhaps your whole life, but really maybe not fully grasped. I love, I love these insights that we can get from Scripture, even though we've heard it uh, all our lives and there's something new and fresh and it's like, wow, such a blessing. And I think this may be one of those services here today. I was talking to somebody before the service, in fact, who comes from a, a, a Christian background and who, who knows uh, the Word of God. But, you know, unless you understand the context within its Jewish roots, oftentimes you lose a little bit of the oomph of what the message is trying to connote. Uh, and so today is one of those messages. I said, you came to the right service here today. And I think really for everybody, there's a special, a special message for us here today. It's interesting where you can uh, turn ahead the book of John chapter 2. It's interesting because the temple in Yeshua's day was very corrupt. If you know anything about uh, the temple during Yeshua's day, it was a corrupt uh, exercise. It was not the way that God had really intended. The office of the high priest at that time was a bought position. Um, and was uh, complicit with Rome, and uh, not kosher, friends. The Holy of Holies, if you know anything about the temple of those, of those days, uh, n- no longer contained the Ark of the Covenant. By that time, it was, of course, already in the warehouse in Washington, D.C. Uh, <laughs> some of you understand. Okay, Co- corruption around the temple was great. It really was. Uh, uh, and by great, I mean not good. It was great. Corruption was uh, widespread uh, around the temple, and people were, were even people were even desecrating the temple by selling things at high profits, and and yet Yeshua was very upset to see all of this. Now it's interesting; he was very upset, even with all the corruption that was around the temple. He was very upset about what was going on there. So much so that, that he expressed it very, very clearly, his uh, not being happy. John chapter 2, we're just going to go right into the middle of the story in verse 15 where it says this. This is talking about Yeshua. Then he made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and oxen. Woo. He, he dumped out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those selling doves, he said, get these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. 
Wow. Yeshua always, of course, is, is viewed and we see him in the new covenant as this kind, gentle, which he was. I mean, he was a humble man, uh, even though he was God, you know, the Messiah. But how he healed people and he's so kind. But man, oh boy, he was not happy about this, was he? He was, he was righteously indignant about this. It's, it, and it's very beautiful how Yeshua loved the temple. Uh, Dr. Susan and I have talked a lot about the temple when we've been to Jerusalem a number of times. Uh, she's been a couple of times with me to Israel. And, and, and Yeshua loved the temple, and it's so interesting when you're, when you're there. But after all, it was his design. There's a reason why Yeshua loved the temple. It was his idea, right? His, the Father's idea. But, but notice here a couple things. There are a couple things I want you to really notice. This is one of those messages now, y'all, where you're going to have to stay focused, stay with me, and to really kind of focus on a couple things that we're going to come back to. This is one of those messages that's going to come full circle. Stay with me on it. There's two things I want you to notice about John 2, 15 through 16. One is he dumped out, overturned the, the, the money changers' tables. Okay, so he, he dumped out the coins of the money changers. That's one thing I really want you to, to focus on. The second thing is I want you to focus on the fact that Yeshua called the temple even as, as corrupt as a lot of the people inside the temple was, but the temple was God's idea to start with. He called the temple my father's house. He called it my father's house. Even in the state it was in, this is really important for you to understand these two things as we're gonna walk through things that are gonna relate to it eventually, they're gonna come back to it. So keep this all in the back of your head. In the weekly Torah portion readings, you know, uh, our Jewish people from the time before Yeshua's time, we read about it in Yeshua's time, it's, it's said two times in the New Covenant about the Jewish people and even Yeshua, of course, uh, how during synagogue, weekly synagogue uh, on Shabbat, they would read from the Torah and the Haftarah, the, 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 the Torah and the Prophets. Okay, as we do even today. And so this, this has been going on for thousands of years, the portions like Michael read a little bit earlier. And if you follow along in the Jewish calendar, there are weekly uh, parashot, okay? These are the Torah portion readings that are to be read each week. And there's a different Torah portion, there's a different Haftar uh, prophet portion. And we, of course, uh, they didn't have, they didn't read from the new covenant in Yeshua's day. I, I hope you understand that, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you think about that for a minute to understand why they didn't read from the new covenant in Yeshua's day. But, but, but now we can, so we also read from the, from the new covenant, the Brich HaDashah. But, uh, but in the weekly, and so it's very, for, for thousands of years now, it's been ordered as to what portions of scripture are read each Shabbat. Right, Sam? And, and, uh, and there are different portions from the Torah so that you cover the entire Torah and effectively cover, basically, the prophets as well. And there are times to read some of the writings uh, also during certain seasons. Okay, so in the weekly Torah portion readings, there are a few Shabbatot that are a little bit different. There's just a few of them where the uh, parasha is different. There's something unique about it. There's something a little bit uh, unusual. Uh, and in particular, for the Shabbats that lead to the Shabbat preceding Passover have special names that correspond to the contents of their portions. And today is one such Shabbat. I don't talk about this every time they come, but it's interesting and, and it connects uh, in a way that I'll talk about. And it's interesting in, in, much, uh, in as much as this particular Shabbat has an extra reading as part of the uh, parasha, 
the, the weekly Torah readings. There's an extra reading on this Shabbat in particular. But what's unusual about it is that the extra reading is actually still part of another parasha that we're going to be getting to in a few weeks. So in a few weeks, we're going to be getting to the part of the Torah where this parasha is read. But in addition to it being read in a few weeks, it's also part of this Shabbat's Torah reading. It's very, very unusual. That, that, that's very, very uncommon. And as you know, I don't often preach from the, the parashot each week, but I really felt it'd be particularly appropriate for this week, and I'll get to why a little bit later, and hopefully it'll make sense. So what is this difference of this particular Shabbat, something unusual? Well, this Shabbat, uh, on, if you take a look at the, at the weekly Torah readings, is called Shabbat Shekalim. Okay, this is Shabbat Shekalim. And, and if you know uh, about Israel, even today, their currency is known as the... That's right. It's known as the shekel. Uh-huh. Correct. And, and so if you go to Israel, even today, if you come with me in October on our trip to Israel, uh, you're going to have to convert your dollars to shekels. And you can, be, you can feel like you're in the time of the Bible. You'll have shekels in your hands. And so it's always a lot of fun. And, and the, the shekel in Israel is obviously based on the biblical Israeli currency. So that's a shekel. The plural of shekel is not shekels. Uh, it's shekelim, okay? And so Shabbat shekelim. Shekelim is the plural of a shekel, okay? And so the extra portion that's for Shabbat shekelim comes to us from the book of Exodus, uh, a, a number of chapters after what Michael read a little bit earlier. And it, the, this extra portion has to do with the census, the counting. We just had a census in, in America this past year, right? And it involves the counting of the people, but it also there's something that has to do with a shekel that's in this story, or actually a half shekel. Exodus chapter 30, if you'd like to turn along with me in your, on your smartphone or in your Bible. Uh, Exodus chapter 30. You know, by the way, when you look up the Bible on your phone, it makes your phone a lot smarter. <laughs> Never heard that before. Okay, uh, Exodus chapter 30, uh, verse 11 says this. Listen to what God was teaching Moshe, Moses. Then Adonai, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, okay, this is about the census. When you tally the sum of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, by numbering them, then every man must pay a ransom for his soul to Adonai when you count them so that no plague will fall on them. Everyone among them who crosses over, in plain words, who's counted, must give half a shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, which is 20 garaz, half a shekel as an offering to Adonai. Everyone who crosses over among them who is counted from 20 years old and upward is to give the offering to Adonai. So there's this uh, half shekel that, that, that has to be given. Verse 15, the rich are not to give more and the poor are are not to give less than the half shekel when they present the offering of Adonai to make atonement for your souls. You are to take the atonement money from B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, and give it for the service of the tent of meeting, also known as the tabernacle, so that it may be a memorial for B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, before Adonai to make atonement for your souls." Okay, interesting. Pretty complex uh, portion right there, but very, very interesting one here. And, and, uh, and 
easily to be confused, to be honest with you, when you read it at, at first uh, reading. Part of the reason uh, for this portion being read early, why are we reading this portion in Exodus chapter 30 early? If the portion really isn't supposed to be for three, four weeks down the road, why are we reading this portion early and twice? Uh, well, part of the reason for this portion being read early is that the temple tax, as it became known, this temple tax that's, that's talked about here in Exodus chapter 30, was not due until the first of Nisan, which is the biblical new year, of course. We know we are in Adar now. Some, some even give this, uh, some even today even still give this, this offering during the time of Purim, which is in a couple of weeks. However, an announcement of this, this census dues, you could call it, or, or tax, or it's known as the temple tax, right? The announcement of it is made a month in advance, the first of Adar to prepare the people. And that is today. Today is the first of Adar. You're, many of you who are, who are raised Jewish know the month of Adar, of course, because that's very familiar because that's the, when Purim takes place is the month of Adar, of course. And, but the first of Adar, the announcement is made. It's one of the reasons why the portion from 30 is read a month early. Why? To prepare the people that our time to give the temple tax is coming up to prepare the people for this. And, and of course, when is it done on Rosh Chodesh, the, uh, the, the head of the month, if you will, the, the, as the new month. Today is the first of Adar. Today, tonight, the sun down here today. And if you're watching this on Shabbat, it is the first of Adar here today. Okay, now, so keep following me. So the, this temple tax was announced in advance. But the interesting thing about this half shekel dues, if we, if we read it, we just read it in Exodus chapter 30, it said it was to make atonement. Okay, now what gives there? Because we know that giving money does not make atonement. So, so what exactly does this mean? Well, these dues went to enable, as the scripture says, the tent of meeting. What is the tent of meeting? That's the tabernacle. It, it was uh, contributed uh, for the purpose of the tabernacle to be maintained, which would allow, follow me on this, which would allow sacrifices to be made, thereby providing atonement. Okay, now it makes a little more sense when we think about it. So in other words, it, were, it was the dues, the temple tax were the dues which provided for the infrastructure necessary to make atonement. Therefore, it was required. It was also used, the funds from the temple tax were also used to procure the communal sacrifices. You know, there are a number of sacrifices that the priests just bring that are not individually brought for sacrifice, but the whole community of Israel. Well, Everybody in, in bringing the, in this temple tax was part of the communal sacrifice because they, in some small way, helped pay for it. And so this is part of the group sacrifices that is made. And not bringing the, the, the temple tax, as is talked about in Exodus chapter 30, as in this case as part of the census, was considered to God to be unacceptable as it was said it was a ransom for one soul. That's very deep. That's very deep, but it's deep because of what it represents. Wow, this is all going to make sense. It's all going to turn. It's, it's really an amazing thing. I hope, you, I hope you enjoy this as much as I have. Okay, the giving of the half shekel. So follow me on this. The giving of the half shekel, which we just read about in Exodus chapter 30, represents investing in the building 
from which atonement is made. That's the purpose of it. You following me right now? Say amen. And everyone needs atonement, right? Everybody needs atonement. Well, and that's for sure. All of us need atonement. Well, well okay, now hold on a second. I, I guess I say everybody needs atonement, but that's not 100% accurate. It's 99.9999999% accurate. But of course, there is one who does not need atonement who walked on this planet. Who is that? Nachon. Nachon means correct in Hebrew. Yeshua. That's right. Yeshua. Yeshua himself does not need atonement. He doesn't need atonement. He is the atonement. Okay? He's providing the atonement. This is why he came. Now, it's interesting because, wow, the temple tax is made for, for, for atonement, and it's to contribute to the that the infrastructure to make the sacrifice necessary. Everybody needs atonement, so everybody does it, right? But, but what about Yeshua? I wonder how Yeshua would have handled himself if he had been asked to pay the, the half-shekel temple tax. I wonder how he would have handled that because it, it's, a, it's a conflict of some sort. Well, I'm glad you asked because he was. You can turn in your scriptures to Matthew chapter 17. And let's read the story now about what happened when they asked Yeshua about this temple tax that we read about in Exodus chapter 30, this half-shekel temple tax. Let's read about what Yeshua said. Oh, this, this is going to make the scripture come alive for you more than it has in the past. This is one of two portions of the Baruch HaDashah, the first one we read earlier, that, that really come alive when you have a full understanding of what it meant. Okay, Matthew 17, verse 24 it says this, when they, meaning the Talmudim, the disciples, and Yeshua, when they came to Capernaum, ooh, Capernaum is a special place to be. You know you're there where Yeshua was. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax, oh, okay, now we just talked about that from Exodus 30. The collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, your teacher, your rabbi, he pays the temple tax, doesn't he? Uh, yes, Peter said. I don't know if Peter knew for sure or if he just assumed or, or, or you know, he was just he was like, okay, I got to talk to Yeshua about this or come and ask for the temple tax here. Now, this is very interesting. Now, when Peter came into the house, Yeshua spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? Simon was another name for Peter. The kings of the earth, from whom do they collect tolls or tax? From their sons or from strangers? Hmm. So Yeshua essentially was asking Peter there, hey, listen, you know kings, you know, they collect essentially from their subjects, right? Or they collect from the, so what about their sons? What about the king's son? Does he pay a tax? Verse 26, uh, after Peter said, from strangers, Yeshua said to him, ah, then the sons are free. But so that we do not offend them, go to the sea and throw out a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you'll find a coin Take that, give it to them for me and you. <laughs> very interesting. This is very powerful. And if you really understand it, it's, it's, it has great rich meaning that I'm going to uh, demonstrate for you right now. Yeshua, essentially, by saying this, if you catch it, was proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. He was proclaiming himself to be the Messiah right there in Matthew chapter 17 with Peter. Because he was making it clear that he was the son of God. Because he was talking about God. God being the king. God being the one who is the one who initiated the temple tax, the father. And, uh, and he 
is clearly saying that, oh, I am the son of him. Remember earlier, and now this all connects to, to what Yeshua said earlier. Remember earlier when we read that Yeshua called the temple his father's house. Remember I told you that was one of the two things to remember from that portion. He said that the temple, even, in, even with the, the corruption that was within it from the people, but the temple is my father's house, Yeshua said, meaning God the father's house, right? Okay, so truly, he, Yeshua, had no need to pay the temple tax. Why? Because he was the son of the king, and he did not need atonement. Remember, the whole purpose of the temple tax was to create the infrastructure which made sacrifices possible there for atonement. Unlike everyone else, he personally, like, un, like, un, unlike everyone else in the world, he personally did not need the temple for forgiveness. And there was a deep irony here. And in some ways, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's much more of a conundrum that, you know, James then, then, then first meets the eye, right? Because, because Yeshua was, was suddenly, you know, it's like, do you pay the temple tax? It's like, hmm, okay, well, I don't really need, I don't really need atonement, but yet it was commanded at the same time. Uh, you know, to, 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 to produce. However, however, we see something beautiful here uh, in this, that Yeshua, in order to both set an example and also not to be, uh, and also not to take advantage of the, the exception that is uh, allowed uh, to him, he paid the tax. And remember, he had not yet revealed himself to be the Messiah. And using this as a reason not to pay, the temple tax would have meant premature revelation. He would have essentially been saying, no, I don't need to pay the tax because I am the Messiah. And we see also, even in this, Yeshua was very certain to follow the requirements of the Torah. Even though, even though that particular requirement, you could easily say he did not need the atonement, yet he, he followed it as an example for us. So we see here that Yeshua was essentially declaring himself to be the Messiah, but there is something really beautiful seeing Yeshua do something that he didn't necessarily have to do out of a desire not to be a stumbling block. Friends, sometimes, hear me on this, brothers and sisters, sometimes we do what we don't even have to do so that, we don't have, so that we're not going to be a stumbling block to somebody else. Friends, sometimes I, I hear and see people who are, are absolutely dogmatic about their rights, and, and we have a, right, I have a right to do this, I have a right. Listen, Yeshua gave up heaven. He gave up, why? To come to earth to serve and to be a servant to us. Sometimes we give up that which we have a right to in order not to be a stumbling block to somebody else. What is that called, friends? That's called love. We gotta love each other. Going the extra mile is something that we all should do. Yeshua humbled himself and said, yes, let's, let's pay the tax. Okay, now follow me on this. One of the great things, and this is one of the beautiful things that really made me think this would be a perfect message for when we have people returning, both here and on Saturday, everybody watching online as well. Follow me on this. One of the great things about the half shekel census or temple tax is that everyone paid the same thing, right? I want you to stop for just a minute and think about that. Exodus chapter 30 says this. It says, the rich are not to give more and the poor are not to give less than the half shekel, 
right? That's what it says. Now, there's a very, very deep, deep meaning here. See, it, uh, it's, it's from these dues that that, that communal offering uh, was uh, obtained, and it had to do with atonement. And the beauty of God, mm, brothers and sisters, the beauty of God, that it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, atonement is available to everyone the exact same way. And that is absolutely beautiful. Friends, certainly we know our tithes, our tithes are a proportional offering based on how much we make. So we make a lot more money, our tithe should be proportionally larger. We don't make as much money, our tithe should be proportionately smaller. That is important too. But as for this atonement giving, it is the same. It is the same. How amazing and beautiful that is. And it reminded me what can be read in the book of Job. Job chapter, chapter 34, verse 19. Job 34, 19, which speaks of God. And what does it say about God? It says, God, he who shows no partiality before princes and does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. Amen? See, Chavarim, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. James, the book of Yaakov, chapter 2, talks all about this as well. God does not show favoritism. And as my dad used to say, our retired rabbi, Rabbi E, Joe remembers Rabbi E well preaching, and, and, and he used to say, we, we, we leave this world the same way we came in, owning nothing. That's the same way we say, we could, you come in this world with nothing, busted, and you, and you leave. What do you have? Nothing. Come on, I don't care if you're the richest man in the world. You leave this world with nothing. Nothing more than you came in with it, right? And the temple tax is used by God to show that all have access to his forgiveness. All have access to his forgiveness. Friends, the half shekel was not much money. In today's dollars, the half shekel would be less than $10 today. It's, it's, a, it's a little bitty piece of silver. It's not much money at all. That was it. That's one of the reasons why it said the richer to pay no more, the, 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 the poor no less. It's a small amount of money, but, but it is symbolic. It is symbolic of a, of, a, of a step that people had to take, acknowledging that they needed atonement. Everybody needs atonement, and everybody has access to atonement. We are all the same in God's eyes. Jew, Gentile, black, white, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. We are all the same in the eyes of Hashem. Someone say amen. amen. And this, my friends, is one of the reasons why Yeshua, oh, going back even, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why Yeshua was so incensed in the temple. It says that he specifically did what? Then it says he specifically turned over the tables of the money changers, right? I love how it says, I mean, he was, he was not happy. He overturned the tables of the money changers. What did the money changers, what are money changers? What did the money changers do? What the money changers did, my friends, is they took money from whatever land the traveler was coming from to the temple and they would exchange it for 
the half shekel, which was the temple tax that you had to pay when you came to the temple. You come to the temple, you pay the half, half shekel temple tax. And so the money changers were the people that took a dollar and said, I don't have a half shekel. They say, well, that will be this much money in and, and dollars. And, and I gave them my dollars and they gave me the half shekel uh, piece, right? And it's tiny. They found, by the way, if you look online in the city of David, they found uh, right there in Jerusalem, they found half shekel pieces that are talked about in scripture. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an archeological fact. It's remarkable stuff. However, these money changers that were there were doing so dishonestly. They were taking advantage of the people that were, that were trying to do the temple tax, which represented, mm-hmm, get ready, it represented an unfair barrier toward fulfilling the command and obtaining the atonement. <sighs> See, Yeshua was and is for us all. This is one of the reasons why he was so incensed about this. It's because in doing this, they were making a mockery of what the temple tax was supposed to represent, which was the fact that everyone has access to the altar. You get it? This is what the temple tax was for. Everybody has access to the altar. And, and, they were, and they were taking advantage of people, and Yeshua was livid about it. I mean, more than you probably see him anywhere in the scripture. He was living, he said, this is my father's house. How dare you do this? Because atonement is available to all. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what you come, your background you come from. Oof, all of this leads me to today, my friends. We have, re- we have reopened in-person services, yet some, of course, are still remote. They're watching right now online. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you, as we are gearing back up, all of you are important here. All of you are important here. Rich, poor, black, white, Jew, Gentile, in-person or remote. We are all part of the body of Messiah. We must all be in unity. We're all in this together. And in order for us to move forward in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, we have to rally together for the cause of Moshiach, for the cause of Messiah. And I need you all. I need you all who are sitting in here today. I need you all who are watching here today. We need to be together in this. We're powerful if we are a team together. I'm a member here too. You have to understand, we all have to pitch in and do our part. It's absolutely beautiful. I want to conclude with Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, Peter said something so beautiful and something that should be part of all of our lives and how we feel and how we look at the world, really. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 34 says this, then Peter opened his mouth and said, ah, and this is, at this time, Peter was realizing that Gentiles could come into faith. Peter opened his mouth and said, ah, I truly understand that God is not one to show favoritism, but in every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Wow, the half shekel teaches us so much. No matter what you've done or who you are or what you have, 
you are acceptable to God to receive atonement. The title of my message is Shabbat Shekalim. Let's bow our heads. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I want to pray. First, I want to ask if there's, if there's anybody who's here or if you're watching online and if you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, all it takes is a simple prayer saying, yes, I commit my life to Yeshua. I believe he's risen. Is there anybody who's not said that prayer who would like to say that prayer for the first time? Raise your hand and we'll pray together. Is there anyone here? And if you're watching online, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I humbly come before you and ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time and you're watching online or listening on the podcast, or if you are in this service and you said that prayer for the first time, please contact us, let us know so that we can celebrate with you, give you some uh, ideas and maybe some materials to to help strengthen you in your walk. And for the rest of us, Lord God, as we remember, Lord, that atonement is available to everybody. Lord, I pray there are some people who are probably here today or who are watching or listening who, who feel mighty down, mighty down, maybe because of what they've done or because of who they are or because of what they don't have. Lord, I pray that you reveal to us all the fact that your atonement is available to everybody. You love us all the same. Lord, like, like that old children's song, Red, Yellow, Black, and White, they're precious in his sight. Mm, so true. So I thank you, Lord, that no matter who we are, no matter what, where we're at, no matter what part of life, no matter what we've done, Lord, atonement is available and it's not costly, Lord. All it is is just turning to you because you are the temple. You are the temple, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we, we invest ourselves into you and you into us. And in that, there's great fulfillment. And I thank you, Lord, that we are indeed one team. We are one team in Messiah Yeshua. And that we have to lock arms for your purposes. I thank you for that, God. It is so wonderful to have so many people back here live and then also I know so many who are still watching online or listening in the podcast. Thank you, Lord, for each person, no matter where they're at, if they're part of this team. Because the Beth Hillel team is your team. You are, you are the, the boss of this team. So I thank you for these things. We love you, God, with all of our hearts. And we ask these things, B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. And let us all say, Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehel family, please visit our website at www.bethlehel.org. 
That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.